0: Welcome to Strategy Talk, where the editors of Strategy Page discuss current events with a splash of history. I'm Dan Masterson, host of Strategy Talk. With me today is the editor of Strategy Page, well-known military author and game designer Jim Dunigan. Also joining us is the associate editor of Strategy Page, columnist and author Austin Bay. Welcome, Jim and Austin. Iraq is facing a number of political issues. What's going to happen with al-Sadr, Jim? Well, he's trying to play uh, peacemaker, and it's not
1: working out so well. So he is basically bowing out and uh, leaving chaos in his wake. The problem is that uh, his parties won the last national elections, but the, uh, the pro-Iran parties uh, basically are refusing to allow him to form a government. And uh, that has basically caused a stalemate, which benefits Iran. And uh, in response, uh, Sadr has basically declared, uh, you know, neutrality. He's not going to fight anymore. Uh, now that's caused a stalemate, but you know, Iraq is no worse off because uh, they, they have a choice between either continuing to struggle, and uh, that allows the. Uh, Pro-Iranian uh, PMF militias uh, to uh, to fight, as it were, uh, on their behalf, and uh, you know, Sadr doesn't see any you know benefit in that, so he's just you know declaring himself neutral and uh, letting the uh, Iranians stew in their own juice. Now that remains to be seen because they are armed and dangerous, and uh, but they're not powerful enough to uh, take over the country. So there we go. Stalemate. Stagnation.
0: So, Austin, this uh, broke out into violence last month. Mu- uh, yeah, last month. And uh, what's your take on this? Well, Dan, this is this
2: would be my first first take away a better way to frame it. This broke out into obvious violence last month because some of this has been going on constantly, really, since. um uh, really since uh, 1991 Uh, and part of that is was in the wake of uh, saddam's you know republican guard killing all the shia uh uh, farmers and and villagers in uh southern shia in, in, in southern iraq and the the power play there comes from iran which was already trying to split iraq along uh sectarian lines between shia and sunni and also ethnic you know you know against against the uh, uh Kurds who were uh, Sunni as well uh and it, it didn't work you had the Iran-Iraq war that had been going on uh, uh as well and Saddam you know we re- managed to uh, stabilize his situation and last uh, at least until uh, uh, 2003. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll tell a, a personal uh, uh experience because uh, i spent a, a good slug of 2004 on active duty in iraq in 2000 in 2004 and uh, sadder's uh uh Sadr's militia nicknamed the muki militia was one of the biggest thorns in the side of trying to, to uh establish uh, a stable uh, iraqi uh, uh federal government uh, he was Iran's man at the time. That's not only my take, that was uh, the, uh, in, uh, in, uh, the take of uh, all of coalition uh, in, intelligence. I had him uh, nailed as uh, being supported out of Iran by uh, various, uh, by Iranian intelligence and uh, the uh, uh, Iranian uh, Revolutionary Guard Corps. And uh, though not tied to the sodomist, you know, Sodom supporters uh, running their own uh, uh, insurgency, certainly uh, not interested in stabilizing uh, Iraq on quote-unquote American terms. He played a card, too, because his father, his father was a legitimate leader who was assassinated. But Mctada, in not just my view, was uh, a thug, an Iranian operative, uh, and uh, he managed to uh, escape total approbation for some of the uh, uh, attacks the, the uh, uh, his his militia was involved in, simply because uh, he, of uh, his uh, uh, father. Uh, his father, he was talked out of. Participating in, uh, in rejecting, and I forget the exact circumstance in this, but this is this was uh, in late 2004 after I, I had left. Uh, uh, Grand Ayatollah Ali Al-Sistani, who's the preeminent uh, Shia cleric uh, in in Iraq, uh, who has uh, been a force for real peace. It really has a vision of a of a peaceful, united uh, Iraq where uh, people can live, work, and you know, tourists can come to visit uh, Babylon and and Sumeria. I'm, I'm I'm not going off on a, a tangent with that. That's uh, he he doesn't appear in public. Back at the in the uh, first decade, his spokesmen were his nephew and his son-in-law. But I, uh, I know from uh, talking with uh, some uh, American uh, and uh, uh, allied senior officers who had uh, met with him, and primarily the British uh, meeting with him, that, that was where the Grand Ayatollah, uh, that was what he wanted. And he made it known to the uh, Shiites, and he's really the most single, he still is, single most powerful actor. Uh, uh in Iraq, as and I mean in terms of, of having uh, personal force and and personal respect, he was ill in two thousand and four. He's ill in two thousand two, and I think he's ninety four years old. as a matter of fact, last month during the uh, uh, where the fighting suddenly you know brought Iraq back to, to the major media headlines. Uh, I read one short article talking about uh, Sistani, uh <clears throat> had been talking to Sodder, Sodder again, because uh, maybe Sodder says Jim says you know, that Sodder is now you know a force for neutrality. Whether it's Sodder has given up, I believe, on actually being the, uh, the, the chief power broker, but Sistani convinced him again, don't don't be the bad actor unfortunately as jim uh, uh said and this comes out of the war against uh, the islamic state where those uh, pro-iranian militias really uh they did carry on heavy fighting against uh, the islamic state uh but they really are creatures of uh, of of iran and uh it, Jim already touched on what the issues are with Iran. You know, the Iranian regime is despised in Iran. We've covered that. I think the last time we talked about that maybe was late, uh, late last year. It really hasn't changed. Uh, as, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, there's uh, even more evidence that uh, the, 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 the government's even more despised, if that's possible. I'm talking about the Iranian government. Than it was last year because it has it has continued to do nothing for the Iranian people, but wants nuclear weapons so that it can threaten the Saudis and the Israelis and I suppose uh, even the Turks. But the one place, the one thing they can do, and this is something else we've talked about on uh, on strategy talk, is the Iranians uh, make a living. Causing trouble, as it, you know, Jim called it, I think. Their meddling operations, violent meddling, uh, is uh, the way to uh, way to describe it. You see that in Yemen, you see that in southern Lebanon, you see it in Syria, you're seeing it in Iraq again, and they have also pursue it no longer as obviously and successfully as they did in in the uh, in the Balkans. Uh, the Turks more or less shut them down about three years ago by catching about a hundred Iranian agents in a big operation that uh, uh, the uh, both the, the Turkish gendarmerie and uh, MIT, their uh, intelligence service. And uh, that kind of quietly shut down a lot of Iranian troublemaking in Turkey. Uh, I would advise the Iranians to pick on somebody else other than the Turks. Just let Erdogan be crazy (laughs) instead of uh, giving him another uh, target. So I hope that I made something out of that. Sadr is, uh, for a number of reasons, has sidelined himself. Some good, some bad. But there is a power vacuum that the federal government, such as it is, uh, can't fill and the Iranians are trying to fill it, but they've got their own problems.
0: Jim, Iraq is still facing some problems with terrorists, right, from ISIS?
1: Yes, uh, but, but, the, ISIS. Uh, but but Sadr has become a nationalist, and uh, he will fight against the uh, Islamic State. Um, well, he did
2: fight against them. His guys fought against them, Jim. I'm,
1: I know, but he, uh, yeah. he basically is, is also, you know, the... Uh, that's a, that's a secondary enemy. He's mainly you know, a nationalist against Iran. Uh, he tried you know, being aligned with Iran and he found out the Iranians were only there for Iran. <laughs> you know, he, he long time believed in this, uh, the Shia uh, you know, internationalism, uh, but he found out uh, quickly that uh, eventually uh, that the Iranians are basically out for Iran at the expense of anybody who gets in the way. Uh, and so, as Austin pointed out, you know, Saddam has now declared himself neutral because he says, he says, "You know, there's, there's no point in fighting uh, the Iranians because ultimately, uh, they're never going to gain control of of Iraq." And uh, you know, basically, he's going to, you know, let Saddam's going to let you know everybody else, you know, uh, join the opposition, as it were, uh, until the Iranians realize that. Yeah, you know, they're outnumbered, uh, they're disliked. Now, one thing that's changed is the Iranians have supported Russia and Ukraine. And they've been sending them weapons. They have a, they have an easy connection. They can basically ship across the Caspian Sea. Both uh, Russia and Iran have ports on the, uh, you know, that inland, that inland sea. And uh, they've been shipping uh, weapons, uh, UAVs, the ones they've been using to attack you know uh, the Saudis and everybody else in Yemen <laughs> turned out those uh, those UAVs weren't as uh, weren't as effective as uh, Iran uh, told the uh, you know the, the the Russians they were. I mean that's has been demonstrated in in um, in uh, Ukraine. Now that may just be the fact that the the uh, Ukrainians are much more competent fighters <clears throat> than any other opposition the Iranians have gone after. So they're sort of regretting that. But they basically, you know, uh, made this alliance with with Russia, and they expect that to yield long term benefits. You know, once the Ukrainian war is over, uh, so a lot depends on you know <clears throat> how quickly uh, uh, the Ukrainians win. Right now, they're winning, and as they are winning, that means you know, uh, you know, Sadr and the Iranians are losing. Uh, so it's one of those interesting situations where you have intertwined conflicts. Which is not unusual in the Middle East, um, and but now it involves, you know, a European country, uh, namely Ukraine, and Ukrainians are doing pretty well for themselves. Uh, so they may be the ultimate downfall of uh, of Iranian uh, ambitions, uh, you know, throughout the region, especially in the Middle East, where they concentrate.
0: Boston, is there any chance of outright military conflict between Iran and Iraq?
2: Is there a chance? Yes. Uh, Is it likely? That's a tough call. There is a a low-grade war going on right now, but it's being waged inside Iraq uh, by by the Iranians, and they've been doing that really since, uh, well... Depends on when you want to start the clock, but the clock definitely starts in, in 2003. Uh, in, in, in Here, here's one of the dimensions of it. And if uh, there were another administration uh, in power, I would think the Iraqis would be able to rely on uh, an American, uh, American support, uh, immediate American support, if the Iranians uh, launched a, an overt attack. That had been part of the uh, uh, agreement uh, you know, you know, withdrawal in uh, in what was that 20 uh, 2011 during the Obama administration and, and certainly it, it was, the Obama administration filled it by providing uh, support against uh, the Islamic State and the Trump administration even after coming in and saying we're going to withdraw everybody out of Syria and elsewhere still maintained a a a presence in part to fight the islamic state but also it provides and this is, this is something that from the you'll get from the kurds uh sunni uh arab iraqis and 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 shia iraqis is that you know no matter what we actually say the having uh the united states and remnant coalition partners there there, there's seen as we're seen, the U.S. is seen as a fair arbiter, and actions over time have have uh, have uh, uh, borne that uh, borne that out. That's that's why one of the things going on when the actual withdrawal was uh, negotiated, and at the time the now Secret- Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, but he was. Uh, uh, the I think he was CENTCOM commander at the time. He had a uh, nightlight force, uh, as he, it was called. He was going to leave about 10,000 soldiers, American uh, soldiers, uh, in Iraq as, as a residual force, uh, really for political effects. But the Obama administration nixed it. I think Austin's was, analysis was correct in the uh, rise of the Islamic State and its blitzkrieg. Uh, Bore that out. One other thing, and I'll come back to this in a a minute. The corruption of the Maliki government was something that uh, led to the success of the Islamic State. The the Maliki government started appointing Shia officers, not on merit, but uh, to these units. And and it was part of a shutout operation on uh, uh, on uh, Sunnis uh, Sunnis. And that was one of the reasons some of the units uh, uh, Iraqi army units collapsed so quickly when the Islamic state broke out uh, broke in from uh, uh, from Syria. And that traces back that Maliki had a lot going for him in 2007 and 2008. But by 2014, he reverted to uh, standard issue. I don't know, I've heard Jim use other words for this. I mean, standard issue, Middle Eastern uh, systemic corruption. I, I, I don't know that's not Dunnigan's line, but that's a, that describes it. Uh, and interestingly enough, one of his more effective critics, and this has been pointed out in, in a couple of uh, uh, strategy page uh, posts on Iraq uh, 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 this summer, was Muqtada Sadr. And uh, here's Sadr, who I tell you, in two thousand and four, he he was Iran's man. He's come back with, you know a, a quote unquote anti-corruption fight. now the the person who had been putting, pushing anti-corruption was uh, Ayatollah Ali al-Sistani. He had uh, sermons on the issue of we must, we must. We must be honest in, in in our in our dealings because he says that's it's uh, uh, he 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 based it on 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 spiritual values, but he also says look look what it does it, how it, it it holds us back. Uh, so I, I'm not gonna tie it one to one because Muqtada had been really almost a criminal leader himself, but he came out as a, an anti-corruption advocate against Maliki. And then here's another one when when Jim says, you know, the multiple, uh, multiple little wars and conflicts within conflicts. Here's this guy who is now, you know, I don't want to fight anymore. Uh, I'm going to withdraw and and be neutral. But one of the positives that that he's had on the political field there in Iraq is uh, we've got to do something about the corruption. And he's a Shia. And you know, they're still the most powerful group within uh, 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 within Iraq. Uh, Is he mouthing uh, what Sistani preaches? Maybe, but he's also took some action when he was uh, what what was he prime minister for a while? Uh, You know, he was. uh, I'm talking about Uh, (laughs) Makada. Iraq has not had an opportunity, and in a large. Since it's the, the Iraqi, corrupt Iraqis' fault to uh, stabilize and become a uh, a, a positive force uh, <laughs> for their own people as as well as the region, and Iran really doesn't want them to succeed because, as Jim Jim said, you know, Iran is still wedded to this global Shia Islamic revolution, which. Uh, But has finally grown up and realized that that's just that's just, uh, you know, Iranian Tehran propaganda. And that's really what it is to try to make themselves uh, global leaders and recover the great uh, being center of the universe when they were the Persian Empire. It sounds crazy, but that's that's uh, uh, really a lot of the motive uh, out of Tehran and out of the leadership in Iran. They still see themselves as, uh, you know why aren't why aren't we uh, the most powerful uh, n- powerful nation in the entire r- region? We were in uh, you know uh, 480 BC so uh, I'm not trying to explain it Dan. I'm just saying that that's one of the things that, uh, that that's in play it's, the way the uh, golden age of uh, uh, of uh, Persia, Iran, Arianistan is really really what it is uh, Ariyanistan uh, was. Uh, They're trying to recover a golden age, and that Islamic revolution uh, garbage that Khomeini produced was their – well, that was their ideology. And uh, Makana believed it one time. He doesn't now.
0: So, Jim, who fills Sadr's place as he steps to the side?
1: Well, he – basically nobody. The Iranians had never had enough uh, clout. And they bought most of their clients. They, they exploded the Iraqi, uh, you know, uh, corruption as much as they could. And so anybody who was willing to, you know, take the, uh, the uh, Iranian money uh, and at least be, be at the very least neutral, but uh, more more carefully uh, active in uh, carrying out the uh, Iranian uh, efforts to control Iraq, uh, you know, benefited. And uh, this is something, you know, uh, Sadr uh, has basically become fed up with. He says, you know, and until, the, until the Iraqi people realize that the real enemy is corruption, and without the corruption, the Iranians would be a lot weaker inside the country. Now, there's something else you can't underestimate is the ethnic component of this. The Iranians are, uh, you know, Indo-European. Uh, and uh, for for a long time, they held themselves aloof, as it were. They were the they were the regional superpower, uh, but in a moment of weakness, as it were, they were they were defeated by the uh, the newly uh, formed uh, Islamic armies. You know, Islam was uh, developed in what the seventh uh, century, right? And and one of their targets was Iran. And surprise, surprise. You know, uh, they they caught the Iranians at a a weak moment. Now, what the Iranians have, the Iranians responded to that eventually. There were were two uh, factions uh, in Islam. Uh, One was the Shia, which are a minority, about 10% of all uh, (coughs) Muslims are are Shia. 90% or 80% are uh, Sunni. Now, the problem is, the, uh, the, the Sunnis are, you know divided among themselves. Uh, the ones worldwide, the ones who are Arab consider themselves superior to the non-Arab Sunnis, which doesn't you know uh, gain them a lot of uh, popularity. That was a problem in Afghanistan, where the, uh, you know, the Afghans accepted the uh, support of al-Qaeda and whatnot, these other Arab-dominated uh, Islamic terrorist organizations, but they quickly soured on that. Because the uh, the the Al uh, Qaeda the, the Arab dominated Al Qaeda looked down on the Afghans, and the Afghan attitude was, "Nobody looks down on us." So the the basically the uh, uh, the Iraqis are facing that same problem uh, if they unless they can overcome, especially with the Kurds, the Kurds are Sunnis, but they're again they're Indo-European uh they're, they're, that's a big difference because hey they don't get into they never got into this islamic you know extremism fundamentalism and that put them at odds with a lot of the um uh the, uh, you know, the sunni uh, radicals uh both in um, in Saudi Arabia and in uh, and in their efforts and in the sunni efforts uh to gain control of uh, Iraq Iraq was never more than 20% you know, uh, Sunni Arab. Uh, you know, about twenty percent were Kurds, and the other sixty uh, percent were were Shia. The uh, Iranians uh, switched to Shia Islam to differentiate themselves uh, from the Arabs, who basically, you know, still believe that uh, you know Sunni Islam is the only way to go. And if you're an Arab uh, Sunni uh, Muslim, uh, you are superior. Uh, to you know all other you know sunnis, and so the you know the the uh, the arabs uh, Sunni arabs shoot themselves in the foot because now you have the Iranians are basically the defender of Shia everywhere um, and uh, and that gives them a lot of you know credit as it were you know they're not <laughs> they're not anti-corruption as much as they should be uh, but that's where Sadr comes in. he says, you know well, why not?' You know, we are uh, we are basically uh, uh, the one group that can make a dent in the corruption that has been weakening, you know, Iraq, you know, for centuries, making it a potential pawn of the, uh, you know, the alien uh, Iranians. So it's not only a religious war; it's also an ethnic war, and it's a it's a war of ancient rivalries. Uh, the uh, before Islam came along. Nobody could really compete with these Zoroastrian, you know, the Mithra, <laughs> They worship the sun god. In many ways, even though they're Muslims now, they they still practice a lot of the uh, the old uh, uh, Mithraic uh, customs and what have you, which annoys you know is uh, you know uh, you know uh, conservative uh, Muslims in Iran. But there's really nothing they can do about it. Um, but you know that you still have that 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 constant uh, conflict between the um, uh the the Iranians and the uh, and the Arab and the Arabs and the and the Kurds. Uh and uh this is not ending in Iraq because now you have this perpetual civil war uh which nobody is winning
0: Austin where does this go from here?
2: Damn. I think I touched on that early on. I don't I really don't want to <laughs> Here's what uh, I, I, I I suspect. I'm not making a prediction, but I suspect we're going to see this kind of turmoil continue for at least two or three years. And uh, it's I don't think it's going to get out of uh, get quote unquote out of hand into a shooting war between Iran and Iraq. The Iranians really are under uh, a lot. Of other pressures, and that that includes uh, facing the Is, Israelis and the uh, Gulf Arabs, who are now you know quasi allies from the Abraham Accords, you know over the uh, uh, nuclear warfare issue. Uh, the one reason that uh, I, I see this, uh, and you know, I'm not trying to predict the future by just predicting the present on this is that uh, international organizations, UN, uh, world powers that have been interested, involved, uh, the U.S. uh, specifically, Uh, everybody right now is focused either on Ukraine or, in the case of the United States and its uh, uh, Pacific uh, allies, uh, uh, the rising threat of China. And Iraq is something like uh, uh, Iraq's problems with Iran and internal problems, old news. And a lot of people have said the corruption issue is essential to uh, fundamental to your problems. Again, I I credit uh, Grand Ayatollah Ali Al Sistani with that. He, he was delivering that message, uh, he, he, uh, even when you know he was—he uh, he was too respected and too powerful for Saddam to get rid of. And he—he uh, he was delivering that message then. He was delivering it after Saddam fell, and now, uh Asadr, Sadr, as he uh, you know leaves middle age and, and enters. Uh, senior citizen status or uh, approaches it, has picked up on something. Uh, uh, Sistani has been preaching uh, to everyone. He Sistani preached it to, to Maliki when Maliki was uh, prime minister. That's what I was tr- trying to get er- er- earlier. I think, think I implied that McConaughey M- M- was PM. No, it was M- Maliki and his, uh, well, I, d- I did say that because he was uh, prime minister pr- uh, in in, in uh and uh, when the uh, islamic state uh overran it maybe he may have been president because of the way they they reorganized the government don't don't hold me on the on the facts of the office, but he was the man in charge and it it was rank corruption and it destroyed them and it still is and now again the interesting thing is, is that uh, uh Sadr has Picked up on it, and as Jim pointed out, and as uh, in one of the uh, 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 posts uh, on uh, updates on uh, Iraq uh, that's uh, on the website points out, is, is that he not only was pushing it, he's willing to use uh, force, and he was pointing it at Maliki, you know, because there, there are a couple of, of, of uh, uh, conversations that were taped and, and then leaked with of senior officials, well, a member of parliament, and then you know, Maliki or Maliki staff as well, making deals and, you know, and you know, crooked deals, several hundred thousand dollars, uh, if not more. And, you know, essentially that's uh, training you know, their positions as if it were a piggy bank. And that's, uh, it damages Iraq. That kind of behavior damages every country. And heaven knows, unfortunately, we have it going on in the United States as well. But the thing is, the United States has got stronger institutions, and Iraq's uh, institutions uh, are fragile at best. And uh, even though that there's some, as the Iraqis, Kurds, and Shia and Sunni all say, we have no reason to be impoverished and uh, 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 under threat, we've got water, we've got oil, we've got a comparatively educated uh, uh, population, we have industrial uh, uh, capability, all we need is stability and that's what they can't get. And of course, their enemy to the east, the Iranians don't want that because they can't, they could not stand seeing an Arab Kurd Economic and political success on their own border that would uh, <clears throat> undermine, as if they're not undermining themselves, the uh, Iranian revolutionary government. That's uh, so I, I just that's a roundabout way, but the, touching on a number of factors that I'm seeing this thing continue to simmer and never quite boil over. I could be dead wrong tomorrow, you know, major revolution, but uh, I i don't know who's going to bring it about and and uh, because of the uh, divisions and uh, uh la- lack of lack of centralizing authority
0: well that's a good place to uh leave it this morning and we'll talk to you gentlemen next time okay guys take care bye, bye.
2: bye.